US GDP came in higher than expected, but the PCE index has grown at a slower rate than expected. So inflation cooling, consumption rising, will it last? I mean, share markets are feeling the pinch, so what's going on there? And whilst it may not be the time to lift rates in the United States, it is a different story in Oz, where there's now almost universal consensus that the RBA will do just that in a couple of weeks. We'll look at what was said in front of Senate estimates yesterday. And where does the Aussie dollar go as it gets pulled between higher rate expectations and rising global uncertainty? It's Friday, the 27th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities continued their glide south this morning with a 1.8% drop in the Nasdaq at close, 1.2% off the S&P and three quarters of a percent off for the Dow. Falls in Europe as well. The FTSE 100 has lost 0.8%. The Eurostox 50 down 0.6%. The DAX down 1.1%. Back to the U.S. after hours, Amazon beat expectations. Uh, we'll have more on that later on in the podcast. And bond yields pushing higher yesterday. They're well down today. They're 12 basis points off 10-year treasuries to 4.84%, down 12 in Canada, down 3 in Germany, just one basis point lower in the UK for 10-year gilts. The US dollar is up again, just 0.2%. It rose higher than fell later in the session, but still just a little bit up. The Aussie is also up just 0.1%, up to almost 63.2 US cents. The euro is down 0.1%. The Swiss franc losing 0.2%. And oil down today, almost 2.5% for WTI, uh, down 2.4% for Brent to below 80 a barrel. What do we make out of all of that? Here's Nabs Tapper Strickland in Sydney. Certainly big moves in equities and bonds. So what is driving that? How much is it down to those numbers I mentioned in the intro? That we've got US GDP surprising on the upside and core PCE down. Good morning, Phil. Yes, that um, you did see bond yields rise uh, throughout yesterday, but then have tailed off today and the fall in yields overnight really occurred when that US GDP data was was printed and I think while you're right the headline was better than expected at 4.9% and your lies against 4.5% expected uh, the details were probably a little bit less rosy and then as well as that the core PC deflator which is part of the GDP report came in at 2.4%, a tenth below the consensus of 2.5%. And so when you actually look at that, I think that's the smallest increase in core PCE since Q4 2019, if you ignore all the initial COVID disruptions. And importantly, we get the monthly PCE deflators uh, tomorrow. And the consensus there for core is 0.3%. Um, that data would imply more likelihood of a 0.2% read. And so effectively, you would have had four or five months now consecutively of very, very low core PC prints. And a lot of people are starting to think if core inflation continues this run rate, you're going to get very close to target quicker than what the Fed was thinking back in September. So I think that's part of the reason why uh, yields have fallen. Um, in terms of the GDP print itself, um, why some people are saying maybe it's a little bit too rosy and it does lend itself towards uh, subsequent prints being slower. Um, the lift in GDP was really driven by a 4% leap in consumption. And as well as that, inventories contributed 1.3 percentage points. So it's hard to see them making the same degree of contribution next quarter. So they're the two kind of things that do suggest uh, maybe things are starting to soften a little bit. And then as well as that, um, the inflation picture in the US, at least in the September quarter, was lending itself to a better inflation outlook than what the Fed was thinking back at the September FOMC meeting. Right. So does this talk, I mean, this is saying soft landing, isn't it? And we're back to talking about that. 
Yeah, I, I think the the premise there for a soft landing is 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 still there. And indeed, when we we've been doing doing some work with uh, Taylor Rules at at the moment, and if you feed through those lower core PCE prints and you make various different assumptions about where neutral rates is, because no one really knows where the real neutral rate is, um, that would be consistent with 100 basis points worth of cuts next year by the US Fed, which is what NAV's view is at, at at the moment as as well. So um, a soft landing can still entail the Fed cutting rates if inflation is getting back to target. And if you go back to the July FOMC meeting, um, Powell said you'd stop raising rates uh, well before you got to 2% and you'll start cutting rates before you got to 2% on, on, on inflation. So I think the market is starting to think about um, those kind of things and those kind of words. So when you look at market pricing for cuts for next year, um, they've actually expanded now. So there's about 80 basis points worth of cuts priced for 24, and that's compared to 72 basis points uh, worth of cuts uh, prior to today's and data. Yet, and yet Jerome Powell has just been talking and sounding fairly hawkish, hasn't he? As though, you know, they will continue to lift rates further if they have to. Uh, yes, so yes, I don't think the Fed would want to declare victory here, and uh, I think they're still very uh, worried uh, about that inflation could potentially re reaccelerate, uh, especially if they give the wrong wrong signals there. But nothing really to um, deviate from the view that the Fed's on hold in November, uh, likely to be on hold in December, and then you're really tracking the data and how quickly inflation is coming down in that environment. Uh, the other driver for bonds, obviously, is what's going on in the equity market. So, uh, obviously, yeah. we've well, that's had- going to be my next question. What is going on in equity markets? Because it seems like, you know, it, 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 as though we've had a disastrous set of earnings, and you know, some of them are bad, but not that bad, surely. No, it was more about the forward guidance and the outlook. So, while headline earnings generally beat across the board, especially for the tech sector, it's really the earnings outlook. So, when you look at Meta, um, they were just saying they were noting some uh, softness in advertising uh, so far this quarter, and that um, that may continue uh, given the headwinds uh, facing the economy and you've seen meta stock price uh, off quite sharply today and actually when you look at the nasdaq composite it's now officially in correction to territory down more than 10 percent from its high um, back in july and uh, the s p 500 is also uh, off by more than 10 percent from july as well so uh, you have seen some of that strength coming out of the equity market which is very much narrowly focused uh, towards that tech side there as well so if um, equity markets are starting to wobble then maybe that buys um, maybe that puts a bid back into bonds and it was just interesting the seven-year auction was uh, went relatively well so uh, the u.s is obviously supplying a lot of bonds to the world um, and the auctions have been a little bit um, uh, hit and miss, but at least with that seven-year auction, it suggests there's still relatively good demand. And if you still get stocks wobbling, then that would lend itself to um, to a bit of a bid in bonds. Now, I notice uh, other banks have joined NAB now in saying, yes, that uh, the RBA are going to lift interest rates uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so uh, the question is, will they do it again uh, after that? Michelle Bullock and uh, Christopher Kent uh, in front of Senate Estimates yesterday what would they say? Yeah, it's a really interesting set of estimates and also a really interesting market reaction to, to, to that as well. And you would have to think that going into that meeting, um, the governor wouldn't have wanted to prejudge the outcome of the November board meeting because given that he's decided by board and the staff wouldn't have had enough time to really update their, their forecast either. So um, when, I was, when I listened to it, uh, Governor Bullock presented a pretty calm demeanor and uh, really didn't want to be drawn into discussing the implications of yesterday's CPI print. Um, how the the headlines across Bloomberg and Reuters kind of uh, reported that was probably a little bit less hawkish than probably what she came across in the actual meeting itself. Um, the key, the two key things that I thought was she said, um, consistently we're seeing that all those services inflation is declining. It's still higher than we're comfortable with. And it's also reasonably persistent. Um, so in a sense, 
Wednesday's CPI reinforced all of that for us. So uh, to me, she still sounded relatively hawkish, but um, markets and indeed the Bloomberg red headlines really captured onto this um, notion that uh, the CPI print came out pretty much where the RBA had thought it would come out at. And that's true in a sense, uh, but it was still higher than their August SOM forecast. Uh, the only reason why you can say that is because the data subsequent to August um, all pointed towards a higher than expected CPI print. So I don't think that necessarily leads itself into any discussion about whether the print itself is materially higher than the August SOM forecast. In our view, it is. On NAS forecast, you have trim mean um, inflation by the end of this year, uh, five-tenths above the RBA's forecast track. Um, so that's pretty material in our view, and uh, we think the RBA will lift rates in November and keep a tightening bias. And indeed, just given where the level of the cash rate is and where inflation is, um, you'd have to say the risk is that they'll have to go by buy more. And as you mentioned, uh, one bank, which uh, also has a color red, um, changed their rate call yesterday as well. Uh, and so markets have lifted up their, their, their pricing. Um, going against that a little bit, though, was a Terry McCran article that was published around 8 p.m. last night. And uh, Terry McCran is one of those RBA whisperers out there that uh, in the past, um, he seemed to have been background briefed by RBA officials. Unclear whether that occurred today, but markets do generally look at um, his articles and another um, author at the AFR um, just to try and get a gauge whether there's any background communication going on or uh, some messaging. Um, I don't think there was in this article. Uh, Indeed, uh, he he said in his opinion, there is no need for an emergency rate hike and that um, he gave a bit of a political spin towards this and he said the appointments to the RBA board and the Treasury Secretary mean they're unlikely to argue for a hike. So maybe there's a bit of a politics within the RBA board that he's thinking of um, that may lend itself to the RBA being on hold. But at least the data and um, and, the, and the strength in the economy do lend itself towards the arguments of, of, of a hike. And that's pretty much where the market is seeing it as well. Right. But the NAB small business survey yesterday, I mean, that did show there are certain sections of the community that are hurting, didn't it? So SMEs, conditions are improving but much less for smaller firms. So they see business conditions at minus four versus a positive 10 uh, for mid-tier firms and profitability for low-tier firms at minus 10 versus positive 10 for higher-tier firms. So it's easy to see who is feeling the hair. And obviously, at that low end of small businesses, you know, mum and dad businesses, there's millions of them. Oh, definitely. And that's the one disadvantage with monetary policy. Uh, it is a very blunt tool. Uh, hits everyone across the economy. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the small business sector is one area that is coming under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, and that's politics. I mean, that's where politics comes into play. So what about the Aussie dollar then, all of this? in all this because it's sort of getting pulled in two ways isn't it one you know rising rates could push it higher the other you know the risk sentiment that we're seeing in the u.s share market but also obviously the geopolitical risk on a global scale uh, could pull it lower which way is going to win do you think yeah it's uh, really interesting i think if you do get a risk-off environment if you do get a continuous sell off in equity markets and i think the aussie comes under pressure in that environment whenever you um, get global growth fears the aussie and the, the, the kiwi tend to be the global whipping boys so um if for whatever reason, you do get a continued equity market sell-off and you do get more global uh, growth risks emerging than the downside risks for the Aussie and Kiwi there. Right. ECB on hold for the first time in a year. 
Why? Well, obviously, inflation has been falling. Uh, we're seeing a slowdown in the European economy. They didn't really have a choice, did they? Uh, no. And uh, it's just interesting that the company's statement was very little change from the September meeting and really repeated that line that if interest rates are held at uh, these levels uh, for a sufficiently long duration, they'll bring inflation back to target. So in, in a sense, it wasn't really that market moving, just given um, everyone was kind of thinking like that. And as you, as you noted just then, the services side of the European economy does seem to be weakening mm. all right uh, the ecb survey of professional forecasters is coming out today as well just out of interest we also get the uh, at, at the monthly numbers for some of the numbers we got yesterday so pc core deflation and personal spending and income for the united states and uh, tokyo's core P, uh, cpi as well which will be interesting today yes and worth looking at tokyo cpi quite, quite closely because we do get i think the bank of japan next week and uh with that if you look at dollar yen at the moment it's trading at 150 um so uh, it, it is around that 150 level that people had previously thought that was the kind of intervention mark. And indeed, the Japanese finance minister uh, came out yesterday, said he's watching FX moves with the same sense of ur- um, urgency. But no real hints that there has been um, any intervention here. And indeed, uh, maybe it does suggest if the Japanese authorities want a stronger yen, um, and they're not willing to in, in, intervene in a meaningful way to, to, to achieve that, then the only way you can do it is if you start to make monetary policy even more flexible. So we'll be looking quite quite closely both at the Tokyo CPI for the underlying inflation impulse, uh, but also just to see whether um, that 150 mark is a um, still a pretty key level or not. All right. Okay. Thanks very much. Tap Cheers. Thanks, all. And let's have a look at some of those earnings results uh, before we go. So Comcast, uh, they reported before the open in the United States. They exceeded expectations in their earnings. Even so, their share price is down 8.4% today because their subscriber numbers fell, basically. UPS missed expectations and uh, quite a bit down on the last quarter. Their share price down almost 5% today. And Amazon, after close, a slight beat on sales. $142 billion expected for Q3. It came in at 143 A bigger win on earnings per share though 94 versus 58 expected uh, q4 forecasts are up to well 160 to 167 markets are expecting 167 so sneaking in at the top end uh, market share price up about five percent in after hours trading uh, we've got ford coming out soon unfortunately we can't hold the podcast while we wait for that one and exxon tomorrow now if the future all seems a bit too uncertain Well, maybe you should listen to where Maple Brown Abbott are putting their money. So we're talking about companies that provide essential services to society. So water utilities, communications infrastructure. So the companies that own the the, um, cell towers, renewable energy developers, roads and airports, electric utilities and so on. That's Georgia Hall, ESG analyst on the weekend edition. It's out this afternoon. It's called For the Long Haul. Uh, out the same place that you get the weekday edition of The Morning Call. So join me and Georgia for that. And I'm back on Monday morning too for the weekday edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.